Hey everybody and welcome to Retromania. This is our special SummerSlam 1997 episode. I'm your co-host, Kobe Nida, and as always, I'm joined by... Jimmy Price. Yes, indeed. This is a pro wrestling retrospective podcast where we're taking a leap into the origin of attitude. It's our first season. We're covering SummerSlam 1997 this episode. That's right. We're uh, devoting the entire episode to SummerSlam 1997 because it was a, it was a big show and uh, there were a lot of uh, turning points, both in real life and in the storyline. So we're going to take a real close look at that today. We're talking right now about the key players, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and Vince McMahon. And what's been going on lately? What are we building towards? So uh, this year we've seen uh, Bret Hart, who was the top baby face in the company, uh, turn heel um, right after signing a long-term contract with Vince, uh, 20-year contract, um, you know, continuing this, this historic feud with uh, Shawn Michaels with the real-life animosity. Um, all the while you have Stone Cold rising to prominence and becoming what he would be, which is the, probably the biggest star that the pro wrestling industry has ever seen. So, um, and Vince is on camera, you know, beyond the camera, beyond the scenes, he's dealing with all these egos on camera. He's shifting from uh, polite, uh, play by play commentator to the boss. Mr. Yeah. Mr. McMahon. You're seeing more signs of it. You're seeing people acknowledge him more and more. And uh, he's loosening up a bit. He's not the stilted McMahon, right? rightfully so yeah anymore yeah absolutely. Um, but this is this is a good good event here we're gonna have um stone cold getting that shot at the intercontinental championship yeah. against owen hart the man who pinned him pinned his shoulders to the mat one two three he was the man that beat stone cold steve austin yeah and we'll we'll see if he has to pucker up or not yeah um pucker slam 1997 <laughs> as king as king would have it yeah yeah <laughs> Then we got the main event. This is a big one. Uh, with all the tension, Sean found his way into the main event again. Yeah. He's yeah. the special guest referee for this. Yeah. Uh, against Taker. I mean, a special guest referee for Taker and Brett. Uh, if Brett loses, he the stipulation is that he will not be able to wrestle on U.S. soil. Uh, if Sean shows any bias in his refereeing, he will not be allowed to wrestle on U.S. soil. Uh, so there's a lot at work here, and like they're coming off of this uh, this fight that they had just a couple months prior. Um, there's animosity and so much animosity. Yeah, yeah, but but Sean is determined to say that there's nothing going on between him yeah. and Brett. Yeah, so, but I guess we'll find see if out. These guys can play it cool. Yeah, they're going to be in the ring at the same time in the main event for the second biggest show of the year. Yep, it's Undertaker defending his WWF World Title against Brett the Hitman Hart with the special guest referee Sean Michaels. We're going to dive right into SummerSlam 1997, New Jersey. Let's do it. Let's do this. Pucker Slam. <laughs> in over 100 countries, in seven different languages, to more than a half billion viewers each week, the World Wrestling Federation, the worldwide leader in sports entertainment. In a perfect world, there would be no villains, no conspicuous manifestations of hate. Athletic excellence would be applauded. Sportsmanship would be the rule. Our heroes would remain heroes forever. If life were fair, then this legend would be lauded in his pursuit of an historic 5th World Wrestling Federation Championship. 
Instead, he's a fallen idol, America's public enemy number one. The respect abandoned, the legacy bludgeoned and spat upon by a society he feels condones defiance and perpetuates hate. If life were fair, then this mighty champion, this survivor of deception and conqueror of all earthly hells, would surely revel in the championship spotlight. The bright lights wouldn't singe his aura, illuminating a dark, horrifying secret from a distant past. And if life were fair, then this man might still be champion, dancing, flying, showcasing his extraordinary talents to legions of fans. He wouldn't be an athlete betrayed by an unwilling knee, a man surrendering a boyhood dream to search for the lost smile of youth. Is it fair that tonight, even in victory, this champion will be haunted by personal demons whose voices cry out from the dark? Is it fair that tonight this man may rewrite history, yet still incur the wrath of a hostile and unappreciative nation? And is it fair that tonight's special referee is a despised enemy of the challenger? Will vengeance flow ruinous from his biased heart, ensuring that tonight will be the last night Bret Hart ever wrestles in this country again? Life isn't fair, but whoever said it would be. presents WWF SummerSlam, Heart and Soul. Wonderful. Wonderful little intro there. Powerful, powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. So we're we're opening up right here. We're in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, Netherlands nice. Arena. Yep. Nice little view that they got. They keep going to it. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, New York skyline um, on the on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting it set up right off the bat with a steel cage match. Yeah, this is the uh, not not the uh, ultimate blow off as these two would you know go on throughout the years to have uh, can you know continue to have great matches, but uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Uh, and Mankind have been, you know, as we've discussed in previous episodes, they've had matches at King of the Ring at Canadian Stampede. So they're finally having the big cage match um, here in New Jersey uh, in the shadows of Madison Square Garden. Yes, indeed. So it's right off the bat, China is involved. You wouldn't think she would be. Yeah. Um, she grabs like a choker chain and chokes Mick Foley and then Triple H gets advantage of him. Um, then we get a suplex where Triple H is hanging by his feet on the top of the cage. It's an interesting spot I've never seen. It's yeah. like monkey bars, you know, when you're on the playground. Yeah, yeah. And Mankind comes and does a knee sma- sna- smash on him. Uh, then he slams Triple H into the cage and... Uh, JR names the guys who they're trained by. He always does. Yeah. You know, Dominic Danucci for McFoley and Killer Kowalski. Kowalski. Yeah. Yep. Then we get Foley receiving a backdrop into the steel cage. And Jim Ross goes, how do you protect yourself from a, from a backdrop? Your body is just being pummeled and thrown into steel. <laughs> yeah. They don't teach that in school. 
Yeah. You know? no, no, they don't. You got to learn that in the uh, the Carney game. Yeah. $2,000. <laughs> Straight up. Sleeping in your car. Yep. Yeah. Then they both climb to the other side of the steel cage uh, to the top rope, and they duke it out like they're like both on the rope fighting each other, punching, and Hunter loses that battle, gets crouched on the top rope. And then Mankind goes to climb out, and China slams the door on his head. Yeah. Again, uh-huh. yeah, again with, with China getting involved, it's interesting how throughout the years, I mean, these, uh, these uh, structures... Uh, which is a word we heard, uh, I think, 40-plus times in the Punjabi prison match. Uh, these structures that are built to, to uh, you know, keep you know, people out uh, never ends up working that way. It was true then with China, and it's true, true to this day. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, China interjects herself back into the match. Um, and where do we go from there? Man, uh, I mean, that, that blow to the head looked deadly from, yeah. the, from the door. Yeah. Um, honestly. And mankind um then she like she throws the referee into the steps. Then she grabs a chair, she throws that into the ring, she almost hits on her, and Triple H sets up for a pedigree, but mankind reverses that and China's like up on the steel cage and the apron and she gets hit by Triple H uh after the reversal, after yeah. the catapult. So knocks her off. The crowd goes wild on that. And then we get a double arm DDT onto the steel cage. I mean, onto the chair. Yeah. And mankind goes to climb out of the steel cage and he's almost there and he takes his mask off. Yeah. And he looks at the corner and he's like, no. And Jr. says the, the fans are, are, are chanting, Superfly, Superfly, <laughs> and they kind of are. Yeah. Um. So I guess they recognize the promos. Yeah, the interviews. Uh, the that terrific interview series with Jim Ross leading up to this. He uh, details his journey to Madison Square Garden. He hitchhiked there uh, from from Long Island as a kid, uh, and uh, saw Jimmy Superfly Snuka do his infamous cage dive uh, on the magnificent Morocco, and so. The fans are they're chanting Superfly. Uh, he takes the mask off, and then he uh, opens up his, uh, I guess you can call it a shirt vest that, mm-hmm. that Mankind would wrestle in, mm-hmm. uh, and reveals the the heart tattoo, uh, which, is, uh, which is a not-so-subtle nod to the original incarnation of Dude Love uh, that we saw uh, in his home movies from back in the day, which yep. is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Before that, though, I, I forgot to mention, China runs in while he was climbing over originally. Oh, really? And she goes to Hunter, and there's, like, some confusion, and she runs back out. Um, so then we get Mick Foley climbing up, like you said, rips the shirt open, mm-hmm. um, and he jumps off, does the amazing elbow drop. Yeah. Um, Classic moment. Yep. And then he goes to crawl out. Uh, I mean, climb over the cage. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and as he does that, China runs back in, then she grabs Triple H and starts to pull him towards the door. So it builds a little tension, but Mick Foley goes over and he's over. Um, and I think that was a botched job from China earlier, you know, running in. Yeah. She lost her timing. She was like, Oh, not this one. 
you know, Triple H was probably like, no, 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 yeah. next one. Yeah, and uh, China's still, you know, fairly new to the business at this point, so it's uh, it, understandable how that she would, you know, make that kind of mistake in that in that moment. And uh, but yeah, the you know, babyface gets the win in, in a, a pretty uh, pretty hot opener. Yep, and then all of a sudden they play "Dude Loves" music. Yeah, yeah. So they're sort of uh, leaning into, you know, these different sides of the same um, the same individual, the different faces. Yeah, as, uh, Vince McMahon is like, uh, uh, it's mankind. No, no, it's it's dude love. It, it's dude love. <laughs> it's dude, dude love in mankind's clothing. It's dude kind. Yeah, he says the dudeness, ladies and gentlemen. This <laughs> dude. El Duderino, if you're not yeah. into the whole brevity thing. Then we get the classic uh, WrestleMania theme, and it's Todd Pettengale, and he's out with Gorilla Monsoon, Mosh Thrasher, and then the governor. It's interesting. Yeah. Her name is Whitman. She's from New Jersey, uh, Christy Tom Whitman, and it's, like, awkward, and it's weird. And Todd Pettengale, funny little part that I just brought this up for is um, she's with Mosh and Thrasher and she says, I'm here with the headbangers. And he's like, oh, yeah, don't let them get too close to you. Have you had your shots? And she goes, hey, said they're from New Jersey. And she goes, that's right. (laughs) Todd's like, yeah, I know. Dirty. You're dirty. (laughs) That's the joke. You're you're dirty, dirty people. (laughs) Sucks. Yeah. uh, Like this is. One of Pettengill's last shows, too. I think. Yeah, I think that, the, that may or may not have had something to do with it. Yeah. The reason being might be coming up later, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so now we got Pillman and Goldust coming up. But they show scenes from earlier mm-hmm. in that day. It was a SummerSlam event. It's a beach party. What's going on there? Do you know what's going on at so all? So this this beach party uh, is more or less just a just a huge uh, tailgating event. Um, if you're familiar with uh, the documentary Wrestling with Shadows, they do a bunch of interviews with fans who are just so lit, just like been drinking since like noon. Um, and so you know the the you know we'll get into this more later. But the one of the problems with this event as a whole is that the crowd is not super into it and then uh reading the wrestling observer newsletter from uh, august 11th a lot of a lot of accounts are saying that you know fans were essentially partied out <laughs> by the by the time the show rolled around and that that had something to do with uh a general lack of enthusiasm in the building as this uh this beach party slash you know tailgate yeah it looked like an overcast type day yeah so i think people were able to get their drink on a little bit more rather than getting struck by the heat you yeah know? yeah so uh they, they were kind of feeling it by then yeah and they look they look to be uh a little bit inebriated from this footage that you see just briefly oh yeah definitely definitely um, even yeah. sean <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure yeah i'm, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> but yeah there's a campbell soup sign and it's like 100 percent whoop ass yeah <laughs> pretty cool yeah. i like the effort that people took um and Stone Cold's just flicking everybody off and they're like, Yeah! Fuck yeah! Fuck we're, us! We yes. suck! So now we're out with uh Pillman and Gold Dust. Yes. This match is gonna take place. It's been building because uh Pillman's antagonizing Gold Dust about his father and his cross dressing and 
also wanting to get into Marlena's dress. Yeah, yeah. Getting personal. Yeah, very personal. And Pillman has the worst music ever. It really is. It's terrible. Like, um, I had forgotten about it until I played, until he was in, like, one of the video games a couple years ago. And I heard it, and I was like, I, I was reminded of it. It's, it's essentially just, like, I don't know. You're 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 more musically inclined than I am. How how would you describe like, this piece of music? It's trying to be like a psycho type theme, and yeah. Then but they've uh, already done Psycho Sid's entrance music, yeah. which is like the perfect psycho music. So they can't use that. Yeah, but we can't use Stone Cold. Yeah. But we can't do Bret Hart's. But yeah. we, we can just try to mesh everything in there. Yeah. And some sound effects. Yeah. Not not one of Jim Johnston's uh, finer moments. I, I I'll bring it up on here. Yeah. So Pillman says, Marlena, they'd show him in a backstage interview. He's like, Marlena, I know you want me to get into your dress, but I'm not that easy. You're going to have to wine and dine me. (laughs) Uh, And he's looking crazy as usual. And it's some decent wrestling. The only thing I want to bring up in this match is there's um, a part where uh, Pillman is hanging on to the ropes and Dusty, well, Dustin goes to Sunset Flip, Gold Dust goes to Sunset Flip over him, and he crashes right on his head. Oof. Oh, it looks painful. Yeah. Um, talk about a, another neck injury that might be coming up, but yeah. 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 Uh, looks a little painful on that one. Um, then we get some headlocks back and forth, and King says Gold Dust's dad, Old Dust, is probably ashamed of him. Old Dust. Old Dust, yeah. And we keep getting a, a super close-up of Pillman's eyes, and that's kind of creepy. Oh, yeah, he definitely had the crazy eyes. Yep, and then they collide. Um, they come back with a little flip-flop and a fly, if you will. If you um, will. Goldust does his patented stuff from his daddy. Yeah. Um, and he gets a bulldog attempt and thrown off by Pillman. And then Goldust goes for a top rope sunset flip, like I was saying, and nearly breaks his neck. So we get that painful spot where Dusty almost breaks his neck. Um, but it looks like Pillman is like straddling him over his face. 
Um, and he kind of stays in that position. It's awkward at first, but then he, he grabs the second rope and Marlena smashes him in the face with her purse. Yeah. And Dusty rolls him back over finally and gets the one, two, three. Yeah. So he wins with help of Marlena. Yeah, and Pillman's going to have to don the gold dress. Yeah, and he's not happy. He rips up the mannequin and uh, rips up the dress and everything, and he's, he's going wild. He's yeah. going to have to wear that dress tomorrow. Raw, an hour late, though. Mm. It's coming on an hour late. Yeah. So they're going on with some time constraints uh, later on in the month, you'll see. So yeah. Yeah, we're going to miss a couple episodes of Raw, actually. Yeah, there's going to be some weird, some weird uh, programming coming up. Yes, indeed. Um, <clears throat> then we get the Godwins out with their match with LOD, and it's all about breaking Henry's neck. Yeah, yeah. This one, this one isn't anything to uh, revisit, really. It's not, not, not too, not too good of a match. No, no, no. It's just hummeling, pummeling, just yeah, back and forth, and they're working slowly over Animal, uh, Phineas, and Henry, and then we get a spot where they're trying to like set up, um. Henry for the doomsday device, but Phineas gets into the way. So Hawk hits him and then animal goes for like a power bomb thing on Henry. Like he's going to, um, almost power bomb him, but he shoots him up and we get a big, huge spike pile driver from Hawk off Ooh. the top. Yeah. yeah. looks painful. Yeah. And they have tempted to break his neck. There's a lot of neck stuff going on. This yeah, it's not kind of strange. You gotta be careful with the neck stuff. Yeah. Um. So we get some LOD chance. That was their first SummerSlam since 1992, which yeah. we will be covering later this month, right? That's right. Yeah, we're gonna do a uh, special 25th anniversary SummerSlam '92 episode, and uh, so yeah, that'll be coming up soon. Yes, indeed. Um. LOD gets the good chance. Um, and they win. They 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 signal that they want the tag straps. Yeah. So they're coming for those, I guess. Um, after that, we get a flash to fans who won some contests, and it's Brian and some other guy Patrick, and they got some Discovery Zone shirts on. Man, oh, the D Zone. Yeah, you man, remember that? I loved Discovery Zone. You did? Yeah, that was. A lot of people don't know about it. I, I, I think it might have been reasonable, re, reasonable. Can you explain what it was? I mean, so Discovery Zone is was sort of like I guess, I guess the the closest thing. Or I mean, this is different, maybe more fun. But I, I know like a lot of kids go to like the Sky Zone places. It's, it's something like that. It's more of like a like a play place from a McDonald's or a Chuck E. Cheese, but like the biggest and best play place like the entire building was like one gigantic play place and i think it, mats everywhere yeah mats everywhere padding everywhere kids just jumping off of like germs everywhere so many germs so many high spots balls high spots <laughs> like these things like little tubes that were slides you know yeah. the roller thing yeah, those felt weird it's like metal rollers those, yeah, those, those were, were so strange yeah like i don't know like i feel like i don't like I don't see how like a kid's shirt didn't get caught in that, and like somebody, I'm sure there was some issues. You know, somebody got decapitated. I don't know. It was not not safe, but god damn it, if it wasn't fun. Oh yeah, maze stairs, everything. Ugh. Just get lost in there for a yeah, while, yeah. and it was cool. I guess parents could hang out. I, I wonder what the parents' experience was like. I've, I'll have to ask my parents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would for 
like I would just imagine it being sheer panic for me. Like, yeah, <laughs> my kid was in there. It's like because you can't like watch them the entire time because it's like once they're in, you know, they can go anywhere. I took my brother to um, Poor Discovery. Yeah, and that's like similar. There's a little play area there, yeah. um, and he was like five at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, so hard to keep up with him, man. Yeah, nearly bashed my head into everything like ducking and diving like there was the maze stairs yeah oh my god because they're quick and they have the advantage because this place is built for them it's not built for like adults or older brothers to you know no not to to run after them them around no No. sorry playing playing on on their rules now yeah sorry going off on a discovery zone tangent but yeah (laughs) it was uh good times there needed to happen yeah um so these guys they get to pick a key and they could win a million dollars like vince is already doing the million dollar giveaway right here about the money so these two guys pick their numbers um and then they're gonna call some people and todd's like Okay, um, he's looking down at Sonny's breasts the whole time while she's holding the numbers for the list of the numbers, and he's like, lower, 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 like, perverse. Um, He calls, and they get some no answers. Like, it's just ringing. It's just like McMahon's Millions. Yeah, it's exactly like that, and why McMahon ever thought this was going to be a good idea to to try again on live television uh, is... Yeah, that's 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 another podcast. But yeah, works just as well as it worked for him uh, back when he did that within the last ten years or so. So they call the first person, and he's not even watching because his cable provider doesn't even carry. <laughs> Sorry, but he gets to pick a number anyhow, and apparently he gets a five thousand dollar American uh, savings bond. Interesting. Hey, so. Saving bonds, saving bond, savings bonds are still uh, they're doing all right. Yeah, ninety seven especially. Mm-hmm. Um. So then they call somebody else, and she's all happy about it. Um. And basically, the people on the phone both fail. Yeah. So then we got the kid that's going up. It's Ryan. Yeah. He's he's hot for it. Goes up. No, he fails. Yeah. But. He does get a hug from Sonny. Sable. He gets a hug from Sonny, and Sable. he is a uh, young we boy, probably Sable. about like four, four and a half feet tall. So yes, he's dude. just right at that height where he can, you know, and, and Sonny's wearing a certain Sable. kind of top. Low cut leather outfits, yeah. like skin tight. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, so take he, you out on a Saturday night. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. I lost myself. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, he get, he gets a hug from Sonny, and he's you know, uh, at, at that height. And uh, so Pettengill uh, sees this, and then makes the inf- now infamous comment: "You don't know this yet, but that's worth more than a million bucks." Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, <laughs> just makes it uncomfortable. And isn't the kid's mom there, or am I just? I don't know. Not probably not on the camera, but obviously there. At, yeah. You know, at the event, so. probably like, oh my goodness. Pengill making it weird. He's like, mommy, I like Sable. <laughs> so then we get the other guy, and he fails too. Sorry, no, it was number three the whole time. Yeah. Should have picked number three. Three is the magic number. Yeah. Um. All right. Then we get a flashback to last Monday, where Bulldog and Shamrock were arm wrestling. 
They're setting up for their competition for the European Championship. And Bulldog just pulls out a chair and cracks Ken. Yeah. Gives him a little introduction to the WWF. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and standard arm wrestling Mm -hmm. procedure. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then he shoves some dog food in his mouth. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Give him a bite. And this match is really nothing. It's just Bulldog with his, uh, it's not so great repertoire. I, I don't know. I don't, were you a big Bulldog fan? I, I, I'm a, uh, I was a pretty big Bulldog fan. Uh, I, I think I it, was. Yeah. I mean, I like, I could still go back and watch some stuff. I mean, he was very much dependent on, you know, who he was in there with. Uh, so obviously if it's a Brett or a Sean, they're going to carry the match and it's going to end up being a classic, like, you know, some of the, some of those in your house matches that mm-hmm. it's still great. Um, but going in against Ken Shamrock, who had been in pro wrestling for less than a year at that point, a little green. Yeah. It's, you don't get a, not going to get a technical classic out of him. No, not at all. Really. Um, but he, he's still working up. You can see that there's some potential there. Yeah. For some of the moves. And I I know he did some wrestling back in the day. I've seen some old pictures and I've heard some old stuff. But uh, Shamrock? Yes. Yeah. But like uh, Amateur wrestling? No, or, I think or, pro wrestling. Really? Yes. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, I know I think he got tuned up basically. Cool. Before by yeah. Brett. So. Yeah. Yeah. In 1988, Shamrock trained as a professional wrestler under Buzz Sawyer and Gene Anderson. He debuted in 1990 under Royals, North Carolina-based Atlantic Coastal Wrestling Promotion under the ring name Wayne Shamrock. After ACW folded, he moved on to George Scott, a famous booker, um, Paul Jones-run company South Atlantic Pro Wrestling, which initially promoted under the banner North American Wrestling Association. And they changed his name to Vince Torelli, more, uh, you know... Yeah, down south, uh, Italian fighter. Later, he adopted the name Mr. Wrestling, a more villainous persona. And then in 1990, Shamrock traveled to Japan, where he competed in Universal Wrestling Federation and its successor's promotion, Pro Wrestling Fujiwara Gumi. And he was a hard, tough-nosed fighter, and he kept doing UFC promotion within those times too but uh he started out as a pro wrestler um, i believe yeah basically that match goes on and um bulldog retains um and and then shamrock snaps, snaps. yeah so this is at the beginning of of him you know just he, he bull, well bulldog throws food at him so yeah yeah and so at least there was like a reason for it. i mean shamrock would Shamrock's gimmick would go on to be he would just snap, you know, regardless. Um, but yeah, he uh, snaps, puts uh, puts Bulldog in the old rear naked choke, uh, which prompts uh, a number of referees and WWF officials to come down, uh, among them Pat Patterson. Yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, so, Patty, banana, yeah. <laughs> it's banana separated. He was not over the moon about no. this. Uh, so yeah, they uh, they break they they get him to break the hold, but then he just starts suplexing everybody. Patterson needs a suplex, a uh, couple couple officials, and uh, he's that Shamrock starting to uh, get into that character of somebody who will just snap snap. 
He was crazy. Yeah. Always bleeding from the mouth. Yeah. Even Always. his, I got to bring out the action figures, man. I, I said it last time, but yeah. I will next episode. I promise I'll have Shamrock out of how all the players that were messing with right here. Shamrock's yeah. face on his toys. Like it's just him screaming and veins. I, I remember uh, it. Yeah. I think <laughs> I had that one too. Um, next segment, we get Sean backstage. And he's in his referee's outfit because he's going to be the special guest referee tonight for the Bret Hart and Undertaker match. Yes. Um, it's a big one. Definitely, yeah. So we're, you know, covered how he sort of uh, weaseled his way into the main event of SummerSlam. Um, and so, yeah, I think the was riding, what was riding on the match is obviously if uh, Bret loses, uh, he's not going to wrestle on American soil. So they're finally making, is that... That's this match. Yep. Yeah, and then, but if Sean uh, shows any sort of bias in the matchup, then he uh, isn't going to be uh, wrestling on American soil anymore either. Or he's just gone from WWF. Yep. Uh, so a lot of uh, stipulations, and Sean gives a gives his interview where he's talking about how seriously he's going to take this match, sort of a wink and a nod uh, mm-hmm. type stuff. And I, I'll give it. All my best views, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure you will, Sean. Yep. I won't be involved. And Vince says, I disagree. Sean, he's very emotional. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. Vince would know. Yep. So next up, the very important man. This is going down, brother. This is gang warfare. Gang warfare, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, DOA, the apocalypse. Disciples yeah. of apocalypse. Um now, do you want do you want to save this for our next season? Uh. <laughs> season two spoiler. Look, guys, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but we're working on a uh, season two uh, that's focused specifically on the rise and fall of uh, Los Bariquas. Uh It's going to be entitled Bariquas Forever. Yes, uh, indeed. So we don't want to give too much away. We'll, we'll we'll glaze over this, but trust me, we're going to go in depth on uh, on on their story. So, uh, but. Yeah, we got a, is it an eight-man tag? Yep. The, the it's, it's gang warfare. It's yeah. Los Bariquas. Um, this is fronted by two guys that were in the Nation of Domination. So yeah. they're still kind of playing into this storyline. And like we said, we're not going to dive too deep into it because we want to focus on this next season. <laughs> and we got uh, the Nation coming out, and they got the newest member, Ahmed Johnson. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's looking mean and ugly. Yeah, because, you know, if he can't get over feuding with them, then... Join them. Join them, I guess. Right, I loathe those storylines. <laughs> if Only if the guy turns again, yeah. where it's like he has to join them and then he has to beat them from within. They've never done that really too great. I mean, the Daniel Bryan was done and it was like hot-shotted. Yeah, with him and the Wyatts. Man, I was in Richmond the night that he joined the Wyatts. Whoa. I missed out on the on the epic uh, cage match where he finally turned on Bray and the building was, like, electric. But it was a very eerie, like, powerful feel because he had that... that uh, jumpsuit. Yeah, he had the jumpsuit, but he uh, finally, like, seeing him break down and finally join the Wyatt family. It was, like, such a such a bummer. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that was... That was a, yeah, I think they... To your point, they uh, they sort of rushed that whole angle. So, yeah, it, it stinks. I mean, if if they've ever done it right, I don't know. 
Someone tell me, please. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of an example. So, Nation of Domination, of course, gets involved. Chains gets Pearl River plunged, but uh, Ahmed is not really the smoothest on this. No, no, his his knee. Is, I mean, he's never been too smooth to begin with. Um, but his knee is bothering him, so he uh, gets him up for the Pearl River plunge. But uh, the knee just isn't doing it, so he sort of delivers it just like a power bomb. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure so basically ch- chains lands on Ahmed's like legs. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't a good bump. For, he sits down and uh, yeah, yeah, doesn't look good. Nah, and to to which Ahmed gets up and uh, looks around at the crowd and yells, "Suck on that!" Yeah, probably his nuts, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> depending on how you hear it. I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um. All right, very important Intercontinental Championship coming up next. Yeah. This is Owen and Stone Cold. And if Stone Cold loses, he needs to pucker up. He needs to pucker up. Uh, yeah, so we mentioned the stipulation going uh, going into this uh, to pucker last episode. Up. Yeah, he's going to have to pucker up and uh, kiss Owen's ass if he's unable to capture the Intercontinental title. Uh, this stipulation is of particular interest to Jerry the King Lawler. Who um, I didn't. I, I wish I would have kept the count of how many times he brings it up. But to pucker to, up to pucker up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he, he, it pretty, it's pretty much Jr. and Vince going back and forth, trading uh, you know color and play by play. And then Lawler will come in and be like, "Oh man, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see. I want to see Stone Cold kisses kiss his ass." Like over and over again, like that's like that's all Lawler contributed on commentary to that match is how much he wants to see this happen. Yeah, and they're like, "Do, do you want to see a, a man kiss another man's behind?" He's like, "Yeah, I want to see Austin do it." Yeah, it's just Austin that he wants to do it. Yeah, yeah. sure can. <clears throat> um, <laughs> actually, earlier in the night, but. With the Brian Pillman and Goldust match, yeah, uh, Jr. and Vince are joking back and forth, and it's like old man joking. Vince is like, "Certainly, you've never been in a dress, Jr." And he's like, "Oh, maybe once or one time." And they're like giggling or whatever, and it's just King staring at them like, "You guys think you got a a sense of humor?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, like that's too lowbrow for King. Like, <laughs> Like that's that's somehow below his uh his, his standards. lofty standards of humor yeah. and uh, commentary and broadcast journalism. <laughs> Better pucker up. All right. So, so it's Owen and Stone Cold. This is Owen coming in as the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, and we get a we get a pretty compelling video package before this match, don't we? Oh my god, I nearly forgot. This is awesome. This is uh him saying he he pinned he pinned Brett or pinned Austin, right? Yes. Yeah. I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm going to cue this up, actually. I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I can all wrestle him. Stone Cold Steve Austin has been handcuffed. They better put leg arms on him too, or he'll 
was the man that pinned his shoulders to the mat for one, two, three. You can't shut up the fingers. I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. If I cannot beat Owen Hart at SummerSlam after the match when he pissed me one, two, three, if that happens, he can pull down his trunks, pull down his little panties, bend over and I'll kiss him right on his ass. The odds are that uh, I can beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I beat him twice before. And with my Intercontinental title on the line, I can guarantee I can beat him again. I'll kiss his ass if I can't kick it, and that's the way it's gonna be. You better pucker up, son, because at SummerSlam, you're gonna kiss my ass. Hey, hey, hey. And ladies and gentlemen, yes, we're live. Yeah. Pucker up. So, yeah, basically, they, they had a, an interview with Owen Hart where he says maybe two or three sentences. Yeah. About he was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, and they just cut that into the video package and repeat it. And every time they repeat it, they just like, they'll like tilt the camera angle or like crop the shot just a little bit. Kind of rotate the, the, the image slightly. Yeah. yeah. But it's just like the same, it's the same sentence over and over again. And there's no like transitional effect at all. It's just no, rough it's, cut from yeah. Austin, Taron. Taron House and uh, their flashback from their little scuffle at yeah, yeah, Canadian with, Stampede and stuff. With the juxtaposition of like Austin <clears throat> cutting these intense promos, like vintage Stone Cold promos, and it just goes back to Owen, like, I, I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, it's basically one sentence, but they're chopping the yeah. words to try to make it seem like it's emphasized to different yeah. sound bites. <laughs> I pinned his shoulders to the mat. I'm the man that can beat him one, two, three, and that's it. That's all he said, but they yeah. they they have to repeat that over and over. Yeah. Needless to say, they they did a decent job in trying to build it. Yeah. Still a good uh Yeah, as as great as their video production as even was back then, you know, occasionally, you know sometimes you have to rush something. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes one of the guys isn't the best promo as much as I love Owen. Yeah. Um, all right, we're gonna get to this match there's a lot of uh nice wrestling back and forth these guys are technicians man definitely uh top of their game just going at it full force and they're like on pace to have it like an all-time great SummerSlam match um and we get you know lots of back and forth and lots of uh owen is uh doing a lot of like uh finger stuff yeah like uh a lot of holds with the with Austin's fingers and like bending them back, uh, reminiscent of like the type of stuff you see from Marty Scroll these days. Biting on the middle finger though. Biting the middle finger. Yeah, yeah disrespecting that yeah. middle finger. He's trying to shut the fingers up. Yeah, you know, even though Austin said that you know, it couldn't be done. <laughs> uh, we get Owen going for a Hurricane Rana and it gets reversed into a big power bomb by Stone Cold. Yeah, beautiful spot. Yeah. Um, then they're running outside on the ramp. Like Owen does not want any part of this. He's just like, I'm done. Like he doesn't have to lose. Really. Yeah, he's got the championship advantage. Yeah. yeah. This is awesome. Uh, so counter to counter, counter to counter. And they keep saying Austin's neck, Austin's neck throughout the whole match while he's working his neck. And then we finally get the spot where 
Owen picks up Stone Cold for a tombstone pile driver, yeah. and he lands fresh on his head. Yeah, and it's a. Uh, I, I'm sure every most people who are listening have seen it, but it's a it's a sit down tombstone, um, and Austin's head is just about. You know, just a couple inches too low, and that's all. That's all it takes. Yeah, um, you really need to go see this match. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. it's it's a good little technician match, and it's it's interesting to see Austin before the injury, here and then after. Um, yeah. Surely he's had better matches than this, but you're going to see a different, big difference in his wrestling style. Yeah, this is the moment where he shifts from. You know, he was working a lot of the brawling in, you know, to fit, you know, to fit that Stone Cold character. But he was still, you know, just look at the at the first part of this match. He's still um, going for a lot of the technical stuff, a lot of fast pace, uh, a lot of counters and, and, and things of that nature. Um, but uh, you'll see, you know, looking at his career after this, this is where he shifts to sort of like an all out brawling type of style to, you know, protect his neck. Yep. Uh, so Owen's up and he's like, what's the matter? And he's like, you can hear him say that, but I think Austin's talking to the referee. I think we're getting a little communication and Owen just knows naturally to stall. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he does a good job of this. He's, he's visibly shaken and you know, you can't blame him a bit. I mean, you could see, you know, he could feel, I'm sure Austin's head hit the mat. Um, he can, you know, you can see looking at Austin as he's laying there, as he's laying there, there is no movement whatsoever from the waist down. Oh yeah. Um, for, for a good couple of minutes. And that's, that's just terrifying. So Owen, uh, you know, he tries to get some chants going, tries to get a Canada chant, uh, going with the crowd, just to get some heat. Crowd reacts to USA, USA, yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, probably would have done better to get out of the ring and maybe the camera could have followed him around there. But in the moment, you know, I, I can't. I can't imagine how he how he felt. Yeah, terrible, terrible. But uh, he pulls it off, man. He poor. He like poorly, but slowly rolls up Owen, and he's like not even covering him. But Owen's legs are lean back. Yeah. And one, two, three, and he wins that Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. So he doesn't have to pucker up. Pucker up. So he's not the one that's gonna have to pucker up tonight. Yeah, on pucker slam. <laughs> um, but they they say he may have a broken neck. Yeah, and um, at that point they didn't know. But he's like carted out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's interesting. Like you can you can see him regain all mobility slowly. Yeah, um, yeah, and he's he's walking, but he's on he's on jello legs, and um, you know what they what they found when they got to the hospital is that he had suffered a, a pretty significant stinger. Damn. Um, so he shouldn't probably shouldn't have been moving around as much as he was uh, after that spot, but he's you know they call you know he's the toughest uh, sob in the business, and that's not uh, that's not all gimmick. No, no. Um. There's some notes on in Brett's book. I'll, I'll read on that in a little bit, but we're going to get to the main event right, right. here. This it. is it. This is Bret Hart and Undertaker. And next up, The Undertaker against Brett, the Hitman Hart. Let's take you now and show you uh, as Shawn Michaels readies himself to be the guest referee. Some of the events that led up to this matchup. 
Bret the Hitman Hart and his Hart Foundation have been on a colossal roll in the WWF. But has the Hitman's patriotism led to insolence and overconfidence? Thank you for letting me still be your hero. If I don't come to Canada with that World Wrestling Federation Championship belt, I will never, ever wrestle on American soil ever again. And that is a promise. You said that if you don't win the World Wrestling Federation Championship at SummerSlam, you'll never again wrestle on American soil. That's what you said. The most awesome force in the history of the World Wrestling Federation stands in Bret Hart's way. A phenom whose tenacity and vengeance has overcome every obstacle faced. A man who proudly carries the torch of distinction, the WWF title. But in the largest spectacle of the summer, the Hitman will confront much, much more. doesn't look too out of place because this is a the Meadowlands arena was pretty big but man when they would run those smaller arenas and they brought the blimp out it was like I'm, I'm sure it's still blocking some people's view yeah yeah it would just like it would look like it was taking up an entire section yeah especially like those like 5,000 seaters they would do in your houses in sometimes <laughs> yeah Jesus so uh, your, your your main event is here your match is set it's big big um Big implications. Heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And let me just say that the uh, the poster for this pay-per-view uh, with Brett and Taker is one of my favorite posters of all time. You have Brett uh, sort of like Aladdin-esque standing on a magic carpet uh, with like Taker in the background as like the entire like purple backdrop sort of looking like the genie. It's just a killer, killer poster. 
Uh, you might be able to keep an eye out uh, the Savage Stash. You might be able to find that shirt. It floats around sometimes. Yeah. If you um, see it, let us let me know. Cause I, please, I'll, please yeah, do. I anyway. Um, I love I love the background. I love everything about that. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is this is it. We're we're setting it up. It's it's Bret Hart. If he loses, he's not going to wrestle on American soil again. If Shawn Michaels interferes, he's not going to wrestle on American soil again. This is the title for Undertaker. He, there's no way he can get screwed out of this right now. No way. Yeah. No. So Bret Hart's out first. The challenger. Woo. Scott coming through that SummerSlam entrance. I love that old school entrance. Yeah, the little yeah. box. Uh, I like I, I was definitely box. a fan of the box. Not uh, as much as the early nineties neon uh entranceway. Oh yeah. That that just speaks to my soul. Um but yeah, it's coming out. Uh, he cuts a little bit of a promo. He tells the uh tells tells the crowd to stand back and listen. To the Canadian national anthem. As yeah, you need to, to stand back. As opposed to standing up. Standing up isn't good enough. Stand, <laughs> stand back. When he's coming out, uh, I see a kid made a sign that says, well, before what it says, uh, he's cut out the magazine pictures of Brett, apparently, yeah. and glued them on to the sign. It's a white sign. It says, Brett, go back to Canada. Took a lot of effort to cut this out. Yeah. Glue this on a sign and make it an insulting sign. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of effort back then, 20 years ago. That's go what back. you had to do to hate on people. Definitely. Couldn't just yeah. hashtag you couldn't go back it. to Canada, right? Yeah. yeah, you made that sign. You you uh, ruined your, your copy of like the June 97 <laughs> WWF magazine just to, just to tell Brett, you know, exactly how you feel about him. <laughs> yeah, that or you still have the poster board. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Yeah. So he's out Canadian anthem. Starts to play. Yeah. Place is not really not well, feeling it. Some people are semi respecting it. Yeah, not really drawing the heat that they were hoping for. <clears throat> no. Um seemed seemed sort of indifferent to it. Yeah. Um Sean is then out. Second. He's the referee. Interesting. Comes out after with the challenge. Music. With music and, and Pyro. Oh Pyro too, yeah. Pyro he's in the ring. And he gets all this fucking pyro and he does his pose. A referee. Yeah. I would love them to do that for like Jimmy Corderas or like uh right. like some Mike Kyoto just once. Yeah. It's like I, a big time match between um Samoa Joe and um uh, Roman I, yeah. yeah, Braun and then yeah. we get and now My. Mike Kyoto. <laughs> Just all this fucking pyro, yeah. and they've done cost cutting, so they don't have pyro anymore. But, but, but for Kyoto, they would. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guarantee you, Sean had a conversation with Vince that day, trying to get him to come out, trying to get Vince to let him come out last after Taker. I guarantee you that happened. <laughs> it's like, let me just come on last, <laughs> please. I'll come out with the title too. I'll just present it. Just give me the belt. So Sean's out with Pyro, like we said, and then Undertaker comes out. Just a good old classic Undertaker entrance. Great entrance. Um, has the big burst of Pyro uh, when the lights come up, and uh, Brett has a great beat where um, 
the, like the uh, like the pyro goes off and everybody's like a little startled and then he just kind of like mocks it a second ah. just like fake like fake jumps at it and yeah. just like shrugs it off like and it's just like I think it's the look on his face that really sells it he's just like ah oh, this this horse shit <laughs> maybe Brett just doesn't like pyro yeah he's it goes back to you know how he feels about the business it's yeah real it's like i'm not a pyro guy yeah don't even put it it, it, where i'm from if you don't get if you don't (laughs) you don't have pyro if you're not a pyro yeah (laughs) you don't have pyro if you're not a a pyromania um yeah so this match is a lot of uh good brawling and back and forth from undertaking brett you gotta watch this one as well definitely um It's a lot of Brett working the leg, though, on Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. Brett's, uh, you know, breaking out all the stops to work the leg. I, I mean, this match overall, I think, um, doesn't get doesn't get enough credit for telling a compelling story with the backdrop of Sean being referee, which you know, Sean does a pretty pretty decent job himself. Dude, uh, agreed. Yeah, um, his, you know, he's in position and you know the you know the counts are pretty smooth. I feel like most of the time when when good wrestlers or special guest referees they do a good job because they know what they want mm-hmm. out of a referee so they can you know they to can tell the story yeah exactly to definitely yeah. put this together and sean does a phenomenal job all these guys do they're yeah. great um and brett's got to work take her down you know because he's the giant in the match and he's chop, gonna chop the tree down yeah he's yeah. gonna get the sharpshooter on him and uh, like you said sean is definitely playing a good referee we get some nice uh some nice moves by him basically uh Paul Bear comes out to kind of distract and the Kane situation is going on looming in the background Definitely. he's out of there then the Hart Foundation Brian Pillman and Owen Hart come down and they try to antagonize and uh Sean gets out of the ring and um Undertaker is like nah I'm going to beat beat them to the punch yeah. and runs and just slams on Pillman. Yeah. So Sean's like, no, no, no. And kicks him out. And uh, yeah, that's a good little spot. But, but the reason Undertaker runs out is because he choke slam Brett and went for the pin, but yeah, wasn't there. Yeah. So he's pissed. Yeah. yeah. So Undertaker runs back in. He's yelling at Sean from the outside. And then he gets rolled up by Brett one to no close close one there yeah um let me get the nice nice reverses um undertaker with the flying clothesline the patented flying clothesline from undertaker always nice absolutely um undertaker then choke slams brett from outside of the ropes into the ring yeah awesome spot just the the power display is is impressive uh you kind of wonder if he's got him you know the psychology of the psychology of it is a little questionable if he has him up over the apron why doesn't he just throw him to the floor but um it looks great it's a hell of a choke slam just to throw him in the ring i mean he's awesome he throws him like really far too yeah yeah um we get a near fall out of that um then we get old school that near fall was really good um sean Sean. timed it perfectly yeah then we get old school and brett um trips him off the top Mm -hmm. so we get a top 
top rope spot where they're caught in the corner. And then Brett is going for a super suplex off the top rope. Um, and they're, they kind of struggle at first, but they go over, man. And this is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Land, they, they find a way to make it work. Uh, take they the, uh, the landing is a little is a little uh, heavy on Taker's back. He lands kind of weird, and it would you know screw up his back a little bit. He wouldn't go on to miss any time, but um, Taker doesn't come out of this unscathed either. There's you know not obviously not the most severe injury of the night, but something that uh, something that happened there for sure. Yeah. So right after that, Brett locks in the sharpshooter. He's got it locked in. Yeah. Man, this is awesome. They're talking like this is this is like WrestleMania. This is like when Austin was in the lock, but uh, Undertaker breaks the damn hold. Yeah, and shoots him out of the ring. Yup, this is incredible. Yeah, they put it over as the first time anybody has ever broken out of the sharpshooter, and I can't think of a time that I've seen anybody else do that before. I don't know either. Yeah, so Um, so he gets Brett back into the ring, sets up for the tombstone. But uh, it gets reversed. Um, Brett climbs over his back, and then he goes for a sharpshooter on the ring post. It's yeah. interesting, right? Yeah, so this year, ever since the heel turn, he's really been working that figure four on the leg post, which wears the opponent's in the ring, and he's on the outside. Um, so this, he's actually going with Taker on the outside and himself uh, inside the ropes, looking to put the sharpshooter on taker over the ring post. And it's, it doesn't, it, it comes off looking kind of awkward. But uh, it's, it's, I don't, I don't think he calculated for the turnbuckle on the ropes to be in the way. Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's like, like a video game could probably do that. Exactly. <laughs> I think that'd be a, a move on like a 64 game. Yeah. Like one yeah. of those Sims, a Kai Sims. Yeah. But what ends up happening uh, is important because it sets up, uh, HBK getting taken out is that, Taker, Taker shoots. Mm-hmm. Yep, Taker shoots uh, Brett off, and he flies right into Sean. Yeah, yeah. So Sean takes takes the classic ref bump there, um, and so uh, Bret Hart collects himself and finds himself a steel chair. Yeah, this is this is this is it. Brett's getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. Yep. This is his peak right here. I think maybe. Uh. Yeah, I mean, he's this is this is up there. I mean, I think you know, in a big time title match, you're not used to seeing Bret Hart, you know, stoop to these levels. He's been healed for a while, but to see him do this is, you know, definitely yeah, um, sinking and uh, sinking a little bit um, or going a little bit further on that heel spectrum. Mm-hmm. But he takes the chair and just fucking clocks Taker uh, with a brutal unprotected chair shot over the head. Man. And finally, Sean comes in one, two, no, man, Brett and Sean, are you about it? Sean, Sean picks the, he, when he goes to the corner, the chair is still lying in the corner. He he sees the chair. Now he's finally questioning. Yeah. And he's confronting Brett. Like, did you hit, did you hit him with the chair? Yeah. He's in his face. He's like, did you? And then Brett's like, fuck you type deal. Yeah. And he spits a big loogie at Sean. Nobody could spit. Could hawk a loogie like Bret Hart. Oh, man. The excellence of execution. And he of, said of in his book or in an interview that they were trying to go for the chest, but he went right and hit him like right in the mouth or in the face. Whoops. Oh, Aim yeah. was a little off. Sorry, guys. Oops. 
sure that was a total accident. Yeah. Um, so right after that, Sean's pissed and he cracks back and nails Undertaker yeah. with the chair. He's going for Brett, but Brett ducks it. And Taker takes his second shot to the dome. He kind of he kind of saves himself on this. He lifts his shoulder up towards his ear, but um, I think he the first one is still pounding in his head. Ooh, guaranteed. <laughs> um, so Brett covers and he tells Sean, "Get the fuck over here." One, two, three. Sean can't disobey; otherwise, he'll be he won't be able to wrestle in America. His hands so. are tied. Uh, one, two, three. We got a new champion. Yeah, it's Bret Hart. Just like that, his fifth title reign, record tying. Uh, nobody had held the t- the belt five times except for Hulk Hogan. Brother, brother. Yep. And uh, they don't mention uh, Hogan by name, of course, uh, for due to obvious political reasons. No, uh, but 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 they do um, they do mention in the promos before that it is a you know record you know record tying uh, reign. Yeah, you know Hogan was thinking like later on down the road, brother. I gotta come back. I gotta at least get six, brother. I gotta at least get seven. <laughs> yeah, one more than Brett, brother. That's, that's all Brett. I want. That's all I want. That's me. Know that I ruled in the in the air. Yeah, in that air. Um. So we got a new champion, man. He's yeah. a proud Canadian, Bret Hart. He's celebrating uh, with the Canadian flag, and um, all the fans are. Not too happy. I mean, some were surprised, but um, they're already hungover. Yeah, like they they're dying out. Yeah, yeah, they're they're ready to go. They're tired. So they're throwing their stuff. Some fans are flicking off Sean as he as he's walking away, frustrated. Um, Brett doesn't look too pleased with the reaction. I mean, I don't I don't think he always liked being heel. I don't know. I he's he's always says that he's always said that he. That he has. I think this moment for him was probably weird because of the uh, Sean heel turn. And you know he's not happy about that. Yeah. Um, and just sort of, you know, for this, you know, being a historical title win for him, just like, it's it's a little bit of an awkward moment. His music doesn't hit right away. Uh, Sean storms off, so obviously he's not going to be handing him the belt. He gets the belt from uh, the, the belt keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got his moment They're They're throwing trash in the ring as, you know, nineties wrestling fans were want to do. Yeah. This is definitely 1997. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker's chasing after Sean and he rolls his eyes and then he goes through yeah. the little SummerSlam doorway. Yeah. Uh, and Brett kisses the title. He's got it back. Yeah. He, you think you ever fucked that thing? No. No. Okay. no Sorry. Was, he just kisses it a lot. No, he takes <laughs> takes the business too seriously. <laughs> yeah. This isn't like a like a page, page thing. situation. Yeah, okay. Um I bet Sean did. I finally saw those. Sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure Sean did. Well, I think he posed in Playgirl yeah. with it, right? Didn't yeah. he? He did. did he? Okay. He did. Yeah. Wow. Like nothing nothing uh... And his nads all over it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, sorry, jeez, I just figured all this out. Um, so that's it, man. SummerSlam 1997. We got two new champions, the IC champion, and then the WWF World Champion. Yeah, the Hart Foundation loses the uh, the IC title, but they gain the top prize. Yep, it's the big dog bringing it home. It's yeah. Bret Hart. 
He's got the heavyweight title. Steve Austin's neck. What the hell's going to happen with that? How long is he going to be out? Will he be back? You know. And then and then Sean, we got him in peril. Uh, yeah. He's his runaway bride from uh, Undertaker, basically. Yeah, he's got some beef with Taker now, and uh, see how uh, how they're able to solidify this heel turn, or will they be able to? Yeah, we'll see. Um, we got two more Raws coming up, and then some Friday night main events. Friday um, night main events, which I had zero recollection of until we talked about them earlier. Today. And I, I don't know. I'm gonna have a hard time. I'm trying. I'm having a hard time right now finding them, but we'll see if we can get. At least some good coverage on them. Um, But we'll be back in about two weeks. Um, And then we are going to have a special SummerSlam 1992 episode. Yeah, take it it back to a simpler time, 1992. Five years ago. Yeah. In our timeline. Yeah. uh, Just the difference is is night and day. Yeah, so join us again. We're here. The Origin of Attitude coming up next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Retromania. If you want to write into us, talk to us, you can at Retromania Podcast at gmail.com. That's Retromania with a W, W R E T R O, Mania Podcast at gmail.com. And if they want to catch up with you, Jimmy, where can they reach you? Uh, hit me on the Twitters. Uh, my, my handle is uh, j- uh, at Jimmy underscore price. Uh, so, yeah, any, uh, any ideas, any thoughts, uh, send me a tweet, DM me, whatever. Um, we're, we're all about feedback, ideas, stuff you want us to bring up on the show, any questions. Uh, if I fuck up, please let me know. Yeah, if we fuck up, if, we, if we're doing anything wrong, if we're doing anything good, if you want to share your uh memories about this time right now if you want to share other memories as well you can write into us please we want to hear your feedback um as well as upcoming episodes we're gonna have some bonus episodes jimmy and i are gonna bring along some guests and we're gonna look back romanticize wrestle with their fandom yeah, and we're going to get a chance to look at, we're going to bounce around to different eras because basically what we're going to do is we're going to bring a guest on and uh, have them pick a match or two uh, that you know, really stuck out for them in either their you know, years as a, as, a, as a child being a fan or like their early fandom. Um, so we'll be bouncing around and we'll be looking at some different stuff, so it'll be cool. That's some, something I'm looking forward to. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Retromania. This is our special SummerSlam 1997 episode. I'm your host, Kobe Nida, and hosting squad member, co-host, I'm here with Jimmy Price. It's the new gimmick. We're the hosting squad. We're trying it out. Let us know, because we've already made about 2,000 t-shirts. So, give us feedback. I'm sorry, Hashtag dude. hosting squad. <laughs> oh, Welcome to Retromania. This is our special <laughs> summer slam. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. Let me tell you something, brother. I'm your hosting squad. <laughs> Your hosting squad for life. <laughs>
<laughs> I think it's out of my system. I think I'm good. Hey everybody and welcome to Retromania. I'm one part of your hosting squad. <laughs> I can get through it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. Good stuff. Get into it. <laughs> 